Welcome everyone to the Spectrum of Health podcast. I'm Dr. Christine Schaffner and I am here today with my dear friend and colleague and mentor, Dr. Jerry Curatola. And we're going to be talking all things biological dentistry from his journey to discovering biological uh, dentistry and making this his life's mission to the role of amalgams um, and safe mercury removal and recovering from a chronic illness to cavitations and their role. Um, in chronic illness recovery as well, as well as his um, passion and love of training the future leaders in this field of dentistry, and plus a little bit about his amazing toothpaste, Reviton, which really supports the oral microbiome by the use of probiotics and so much more and everything in between. So I hope you enjoy my conversation today with Dr. Jerry Curatola. So welcome, Jerry. It's so um Thank you, Christine. Thank you for having me. Yeah, yeah. Well we were great. Just, yeah, we were just at um in Arizona together, right? We were at BRMI and I always love learning from you and connecting. And I just the you know, we were talking offline, right? The field of biological dentistry has made some great strides, right? Since you were a young dentist, but we still have a long way to go, right? And <laughs> I think one of the top things when people come to see me that I'm identifying that's been missed in their care. So that's why we're so passionate about um, spreading the news. So a lot of people in my audience already know you, but let's just make sure they, you know, they do. So why don't you just share a little bit, Jerry, about your, really how you got in, you know, to biological dentistry. I love sharing that story because it was really interesting. It was 1983. I graduated dental school at 19, at, at, at NYU College of Dentistry. One of the, my classmates actually told me, you know, they're doing the first master's program in holistic health. And it was being done at night at the Pratt Institute in New York. And it was probably the first functional medicine doctor that I ever met or knew. It wasn't even called functional medicine then, but he was a, a chiropractor by training. His name, uh, was Dr. Alan Pressman. And he was so ahead of his time that he put this program together. It was the first master's certification in holistic health, which was like voodoo back then. And uh, and I remember my wife saying, well, you know, why are you why are you, you just got out of dental school? We have all these loans. <laughs> well, why are we going? Why are you going back to school, you know, for this? And I said it's only at night. And and truthfully, there was something innate in me, uh, and it was definitely, you know, I, I, I tell everyone, you know, I really felt called to dentistry, but at the same time, I didn't want to be a mechanic of teeth. Mm-hmm. I mean, I love having dexterity and working with my hands, and I enjoy cosmetic dentistry, restorative dentistry, implant dentistry, but I didn't want to be a mechanic of teeth. I wanted to be a physician of the mouth. So I started going to the medical route, and that was then. And it was a really, it was an eye-opening program. There was a lot of holistic nutrition and things like that, but very interesting. I started to understand what I suspected when, when I was in dental school, when they told me that, oh, those mercury, those amalgam fillings, the mercury, 52% mercury. Cause I remember asking, raising my hand in, in class and going, you know, uh, why are we mixing mercury with other metals and then sticking it two inches from the brain? 
Good the question. most neurotoxic element on it. It yeah. didn't add up. And and truthfully, I came out of dental school. I never placed an amalgam. I actually left the job because they would recommend amalgams. And it was my my first job was in the uh, was in the Bronx in, of New York. That began, you know, this this intuitive, uh, you know, I, and it's really about being in touch with your true calling, your higher self, and and that's what led me, you know, I guess what we would say led me down the rabbit hole. And there was a program at Harvard Medical School in 1996 and 97 in the summer. It was a certificate course in complementary and alternative medicine. Mm. And I remember being there going, you know, and then there were MDs and uh, nurse practitioners and nurses, RNs, all kinds of different people, but there were no dentists. So they would all say to me, oh, you're a dentist. What are you doing here? <laughs> so, And that's why I wrote this book, you know, The, the Mouth-Body Connection, yeah. because I realized most people don't understand, dentists don't understand, and physicians don't understand the very close connection between what's going on in the mouth and what's going on in the uh, in the rest of the body. Connection of the mouth as both a mirror and a gateway to mm. the rest of the body. That took me then to Germany and Baden-Baden <laughs> and yeah. Thomas Rao, and that was uh, was right after the program at Harvard that I heard about this Thomas Rao. Mm-hmm. So it was the mid nineties, late nineties. And yeah. I had a nurse who had breast cancer mm-hmm. and she went to Paracelsus, yes. came back and she was healed. Wow. It's like, what's going on? And uh, she's like, well, you know, there's this clinic in Switzerland, Dr. Thomas Rao. And I remember like, I got to meet this Thomas Rao. Mm-hmm. And the interesting thing, and she said, yes, you know what he does? The first thing he does is he looks in your mouth. Yes. And if he sees mercury fillings, uh, and if he sees, you know, any root canals on x-rays or anything like that, that's the first thing he goes after. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, my goodness. And, you know, I, that he was the first man. And what's really beautiful about this is all these years later, I was speaking in at Porto, Portugal, to the um, European Congress of Integrative Medicine, and he was there, and he came to my lecture, sat next to my wife, and he said, tell Jerry I love the lecture. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. It was really good. So oh, yeah. it was kind of like, for me, that was like full circle. And I said, you know, and I actually at the meeting said, Thomas Rao was the first medical doctor to make me feel connected to medicine Mm. because he saw the very grave importance of what's going on in your mouth with what's going on in the rest of your body. Mm. And yes, I gave him an autographed copy of this. Yes. yeah, (laughs) Of course you did. He he definitely um, needs to feel good about the, the journey that you went on and part of um, his kind of, you know, of course, inspiration in your life, but you know, you were ahead of your curve, right? Just like reflecting. And it's one thing to learn and to discover something, but it's another thing to really implement it. Right. I mean, like you're going against the grain, like when, everyone's doing the opposite really of yes. what you are trained to, you know, to do that you now um, have a whole amazing, you know, practice on. And so you have to really be strong and tough in your conviction and knowledge because you're going so 
um, much against the grain, right, of what has been taught. And so. Yeah. And you know what, Christine, it it was, it's really interesting because I remember, I tell everybody now, like I was in the closet as a biologic dentist. (laughs) (laughs) I I was in that, I came out of the closet, you know, I came out of the closet in, uh, you know, probably 15 years ago, but, but really, you know, and I've been practicing, I'm going to be celebrating my 40th year as a practicing dentist as, and, and I, I graduated New York University's College of Dentistry in 1983, as I, as I said. And so for me, I was digesting all this information, but the guys who called themselves holistic dentists, most of them were like, you know, they were the hippie guys, you know, with with the Birkenstocks and the tie dye shirts and saying, no mercury, no mercury, no mercury. I have to respect the fact that they did take that stance and they uh, against mercury. And I was, I was against it, but uh, and I was also, uh, you know, I was, I was fighting uh, state societies on uh, ending water fluoridation, which was a complete hoax. There is fluoridating the water with mm-hmm. a toxic halide chemical has done nothing to reduce tooth decay. We have an epidemic of tooth. We have fluoridated water, fluoridated communities mm-hmm. with higher rates of decay uh, mm-hmm. than non fluoridated. So we knew early on and the fluoride thing, and we can touch on that if you want, but uh, I knew, you know, like I was standing against that and, and I was a clinical uh, associate clinical professor uh, at NYU. And so I had all these credentials and I had a very successful restorative practice. I loved doing complex restorative dentistry and, and restoring people's Function and aesthetics. I say the two two legs we walk with are function and aesthetics. The overlay, the guiding philosophy, is a biologic approach to that. Mm. And you know, unfortunately, it's the wild west out there. And first question I get when I get up and lecture uh, anywhere, even Mm. internationally, is, "Do you know a good (laughs) biologic dentist?" In blah blah blah. Yes, and so I, I, my mission now uh, is really, uh, especially at this stage in my life, my mission is like you, this passion for teaching, Mm -hmm. and this passion for bringing together a community that can train the next generation and teach the next generation. Yeah, I just had an opportunity, and I met. I'm one of the. I'm on a Dean's Advisory Council at New York University because I really think it's important to get into the dental school, not out of the dental school and, you know, join these clubs, IOMT and blah, 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 and all this stuff, but to get into the educational process of the future dentists of the world and get them to understand and embrace this. And the only way, you know, like at NYU, I made a major gift. In 2006, I gave, I named the Curatola Wing for clinical research. And it was for translational research, but I was doing a lot of research in oral care and the microbiome. And the um, dean of, uh, what do they call it? Deve- not um, development and giving or whatever. Yeah. Um, she got me to a good restaurant and gave me a couple good martinis. I made a really <laughs> big gift. <laughs> Now you have your own wing. Yeah. Now I have my own wing. (laughs) But I, you know, and I regret it. That was 2006, by the way. That was 2006 before my 401k became a 101k in 2008. (laughs) 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 And 
And, uh, and I, I still now I've had this, um, deep, deep passion that I should have started a, um, you know, a whole, uh, advanced program in biologic dentistry for talented fourth year dental students. Yeah. And so I, I, my ambition, I had a meeting a few weeks ago with the dean of, of NYU, and they're building these clinics brand new with these six treatment rooms for, and they're building six of them. And he was asking me essentially if I would endow one of them. So I'm now using that as leverage, God willing, to build probably the first program for biologic dentistry in a major U.S. university. NYU is the largest dental school in the world. Wow. And and it is an international school. There are students from all over the world here in New York from like 30 countries and, and, uh, and would be a wonderful step forward in the education process to train them to understand this biologic philosophy and why it's so essential and why, you know, know, we're going to take some very unorthodox stances. Of course, we know mercury, most, most dentists recognize that mercury is toxic, but they don't understand the importance of taking it out safely. Mm -hmm. Most Mm -hmm. dentists see root canals fail Mm -hmm. and they see, stories from patients of, oh, they took out that infected root canal and oh my goodness, you know, Mm -hmm. I was getting all these calcifications on my breast, you know, Mm -hmm. from that upper mole (laughs) and, and, and all this. And then understanding that we, uh, in the biologic philosophy, we have five levels of self-regulation and healing. We believe in this life force, uh, that, and this life force gives us divine capacity to self-regulate and heal. And when we understand this field <laughs> that we can actually have, there's an electric potential to it, you know, and when we understand this, we understand that we, we don't just do biologic stuff and clean up infections and things like that. But the first level is biologic. And then we have this biochemical, right? Biochemical. How many people I see loaded with amalgams have, you know, dysregulated thyroid and all these hormonal pathways that are being affected. So there's that biochemical level. And then the third level is bioenergetic, these energetic pathways, these meridians of energy flow from every tooth in your mouth Mm -hmm. to organ systems and organs throughout the body Mm -hmm. and, and skeletal system. And even, I believe, even in the fascia, because, and that is the very complex network and, and this huge ocean of, of, um, of vitality, uh, mm-hmm. in the body. So we have these, you know, biologic, biochemical, bioenergetic. Then the fourth one, which is one I, I work on a lot is psychoemotional. And there are people, you know, I have not, I have had people scheduled for cavitation surgery. And I have not moved forward. I had one woman from Washington, D.C., and I was just about to administer anesthesia. And and I stopped because she was there sitting there. And, I, and something hit me intuitively that she doesn't believe she's going to get better. She had Lyme disease. She had chronic Lyme. She was actually bedridden for a number of years. Mm-hmm. And she had really... Uh, been ravaged by chronic Lyme and she didn't believe she was going to get better. And I, and I, so I stopped and I said, Erica, you know, um, I said, can I ask you uh, a question before we, uh, before I begin? If I begin, I said, do you believe that you're going to get better 
by the treatment you receive from me. Because all I'm doing, I'm not healing you. Yeah. I'm just eliminating those blockages. Yeah. I'm eliminating the, you know, the 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 you know, this top 10 sources of yeah. chronic inflammation. I want everyone, I, I I'm happy to send this to everyone yeah. on your podcast. Yeah. So they can go to they can DM me or or at um at Dr. Jerry Curatola on Instagram, uh, at Dr. Jerry Curatola or at Rejuvenation Health. And I have some booklets that I've written on top 10 sources of chronic inflammation and toxicity. And the other one, um, I, I have my Curatola cavitation protocol and what cavitations are. We'll talk about that too. You know what? She started to cry and yeah. she reached in her purse and she pulled out a little book on faith, on the power of belief. And I said, Bruce Lipton wrote so many books about this, the biology of belief, what you believe changes your DNA. So psychoemotional blockages. And I have people pay so many patients who it's hard because you get stuck. And, you know, when you're in chronic pain, when you're in, you know, a chronic autoimmune situation, when you're dealing with um, really difficult, you know, uh, uh, neurological uh, disease and disorders, you know, people who um, have MS, they have all kinds of things and they don't think they can get better. They don't think they, they, they will get better. And that's a major, major interference in their ability, their divine capacity to self-regulate and heal. Fourth one, which a lot of people, it's interesting because people, you know, they get some, they, they, these five levels all interact. And the fifth level, of course, is spiritual and being, you know, having that connection from there, what we call this center, energy center here, crown chakra to source yes. and that bridge, the Atta Karana bridge, what's called the Christ consciousness, that it's real. It, it's like being plugged in. It's like plugging your electric car into the power. And, you know, you could run your electric car without being plugged in for a while, but eventually you start to drain, you know? And so I find, I think the good news is that people are more open spiritually and they understand that we are mind, body, spirit, and they, um, they know it's more than a cliche, uh, you know, mind, body, spirit, mind, body, spirit, mind, body, spirit. and and they and they're thinking like spirit is something like they they can't, it's not tangible for them, yeah. and and the good thing that I and I don't know if you've been experiencing the same thing with patients is that they're much more open mm -hmm. spiritually, and I often tell them you know like like there are no accidents in life. I believe you know so I've been on the planet now sixty five years as of last week. Uh -huh. <laughs> Thanks, I got Medicare. <laughs> <laughs> no, you need to use it, right? You I know. was online at the movies and I forgot. Oh, I'm a senior. <laughs> I don't know. I don't. I get two dollars off the ticket. <laughs> so I know that there's a plan for each and every one of us, and it's a plan to bless us and not harm us and prosper us and give us hope in a future. So when we connect here. You know, there's a lot of other things that all things are possible. But when we're not connected there, then it, you're like an island, you know. And so I have people that are open spiritually, but blocked psychoemotionally, like they're really struggling here. 
uh, on the psycho-emotional level, but on the spiritual level, they're powerful, they're strong. And it's just, so I find that a lot of what I do is helping people connect on all five levels of their divine capacity to self-regulate and heal. Oh, well, I love that. I mean, you're obviously an amazing dentist, but a healer as well. And I mean, you touch on so many great things, Jerry. Um, but I think, you know, really big place to land, like a couple places is, you know, a lot of our patients, as your book says, illness starts in their mouth. And I know there's a lot of well-meaning conventional medicines, but most conventional dentistry is so far removed from how uh, we are wired and designed to heal and create a lot of obstacles, you know, um, to our uh, health and recovery. And a lot of disease starts in the mouth, as you said. I also think, I mean, I have a lot of admiration um, for you and the like handful of biological dentists in the country. (laughs) I know. Yeah. You know, it's like not only all of this, but it's also like, as you said, you have to hold space for people who have all been traumatized by the dental field because, you know, of all the things we just talked about. So it's a it's a big, you know, you have to hold a lot of space and, yes. you know, really, you know, trust the timing, as you said, um, and the mindset of where people are at. Because we all, all know that this is the most, some of the most rewarding work for a patient to do to recover their health. But when it's not done, maybe with the right support or the right time or the right mindset, you know, sometimes like with anything, things can not go as planned, right? Or be harder to clean up. So I I think you touched on a a lot of good points there. So thank you for bringing all of that up. (laughs) You know, we talked about, a, you know, a bunch of things and I, you know, I've talked about amalgams in my office before or um, in my um, podcast rather before. So we don't have to deep dive too much on that, but it is, I mean, I appreciate you bringing it into our attention because even yesterday I had a new patient and her husband in the office and God bless them, lovely, lovely people. But, you know, he's coming from a very different paradigm and he's like asking me, like, is there a test to show that this mercury in her mouth is impacting her nervous system? And I'm like, I wish, you know what I mean? But it's more layered than that, right? It's a more clinical perspective. And then of course we can do testing after the amalgams have been removed, but we're still, you know, really much working with clinical insight and, uh, you know, knowledge rather than like, you know, lab data, you know, at this time. I mean, is that how, are you still coming up across uh, convincing people like that's still the. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I think safe, safe removal of mercury and really understanding why that's so important. I mean, I had a patient yesterday who had, um, she, she, I was like, you know, um, so I see, you know, you don't have any, did you have, she was filled with composite resin. Okay. I feel every other tooth composite resin. And I said, did you ever have amalgam fillings, you know, uh, silver colored fillings? And she said, oh yeah, I had 14 of them removed last, uh, in 2017. Then I said, did you have them removed safely? Oh no, I, my, my dentist did them. Oh, and she was coming to me because she had recently had, uh, well, she has Hashimoto's and she has, oh, there were so many other things that I was like, you know, the most sensitive organ in your body to mercury besides the brain, which it does go past the blood, blood brain barrier is, um, your thyroid. Uh, and which is one of the reasons why I was so frustrated, uh, about actually 
probably around uh, that same time, and I was on. I was invited on the Doctor Oz show to talk about uh, toxic fillings. The title of the show is Toxic Fillings, and it was um, Doctor Oz who had amalgams in his own mouth, <laughs> which I was shocked. And he goes, you know, uh, the first thing I said is, you know, Doctor Oz, you know, we've been doing amalgam restorations, you know, since the Civil War. And before that, dentists put lead in teeth. So I guess the mercury was the next step. <laughs> we they used to do lead fillings in the Revolutionary War and everything, like oh, lead God. lead in teeth. <laughs> then we knew when they were dying. Yeah, those people were dying of lead poisoning. But uh, then this amalgam amalgamation of fifty two percent mercury with tin and copper and some other alloys. Boom creates this amalgamation, which is like a putty that turns to a hard metal. And we were told in dental school, by the way, that the mercury would, you know, as I said, you know, was met, was magically locked in. <laughs> so here we are in the Dr. Oz show, and I'm saying this, and they have this giant box with, with a, two teeth with amalgams in them, and they had a toothbrush that they were using that was on a mechanical thing because it was all enclosed. And then they had a mercury vapor analyzer and you saw the mercury vapor levels going up on the TV show. So it was clear that mercury off gases. And then, you know, so Dr. Oz said to me, you know, why are more people getting sick? And I said, well, you know, it's interesting because the symptoms of mercury toxicity and the symptoms of Alzheimer's disease disease are exactly the same. Yes. So, you know, what we... Don't understand. And yes, you know, there are people that get, uh, you know, I was a producer on a, uh, and actually everyone can download. I was a producer on a movie called Evidence of Harm. Mm-hmm. I was an executive producer and a friend of mine, uh, Randy, who, who directed and wrote this documentary. It's very good, by the way. You can go on Amazon or whatever. It's called Evidence of Harm, the documentary about the history and use of dental amalgam mercury, mercury uh, dental mercury. And anyway, the, the, the interesting thing is that I went after I went on the doctor, I, 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 when we were shooting these segments, I said, look, it's, I'm, I'm glad we're raising people's awareness that mercury is harmful and mercury is in your fillings. And the reason why people don't get more people don't get sick is the body is struck. There are a, a significant portion of our population has this ability to chelate heavy metals. But when you reach a certain bio burden where it's overflowing, you know, then it just gets redistributed through the body and it can manifest as anything from digestive problems to brain fog, to thyroid disease and yada, 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 yada. Mm -hmm. So I did this and, and I insisted on the show that we demonstrate safe mercury removal. So he sent a field crew to my office on Park Avenue, and they actually filmed me removing an amalgam safely with all the protective protocols and then using a uh, 3D camera and making a ceramic filling for the tooth and and that ceramic filling being milled in a matter of eight minutes, and then getting that beautiful ceramic filling, putting it in, polishing it, finishing it. And this is how we do safe mercury removal and put in a strong um, restorative material that can last for the rest of the patient's life. They cut that whole segment out. <laughs> <laughs> 
No way. (laughs) Yes. They cut out the safe removal segment. So what everyone saw were the first two segments, which scared the hell out of everyone. So people ran to their dentist to get their amalgams removed unsafely. Many of them, because there's such a small percentage of patients. Now more and more dentists are starting to get hip to the importance of safe mercury removal, not just for the patient, but their own protection. Totally. I feel so bad for these dentists who have been exposed, right, for, you know, um, so long and don't know to detoxify themselves from it. So for them as well. So obviously amalgams, right? They're a huge um, cause and root cause to many chronic illnesses out there. And I, that's a starting point, really. I, I really, before I proceed with many patients, I make sure we do that, that's you know, great. because it's so hard to treat them, honestly. Um, you know, I've learned the hard way. It's just like, you think, oh, I can, you know, we can do that another time, make sure it's on the roadmap. But they're very, um, you know, they tend to be more reactive and harder to treat if they're still in the mouth with the tools yes. we use. So that's uh first step. But um, let's talk a little bit about cavitations because again, more and more awareness around cavitations is out there. We still have a lot of work to do. Um, but you know, I want you to just say what they are, you know, how they impact the body yeah. and then why they're, you know, so hard to diagnose and like how yes. you diagnose them, like how, like what's the process in your office? Because my job a lot of the time is to be like, I think you have these, it's highly suspicious based on X, Y, and Z, but then I have to rely on my biological dentist friends to usher them through that conclusion. So walk us through all of this. Yes, absolutely. So, you know, this word cavitation, most dentists never heard of. It was <laughs> never taught in dental school. It was never, we never even knew they existed, wow. primarily because um, you can't really see them on regular dental x-rays. So, for example, if so cavitation means hole, it means a hole. Uh, and it was coined, the term cavitation was coined by an orthopedic surgeon in 1931. And, you know, because a cavity is the colloquial term for a hole in a tooth. We call it a cavity. Hey, you got a cavity. It's a hole. Uh, and it was like, okay, well, if you say cavity, do you say bone cavity? So this guy came up with the term cavitation. It's really called jaw, jaw osteonecrosis. J- and Nick, the initials are J-O-N. Jaw osteonecrosis, or we say cavitational osteonecrosis. You could have a cavitation where my head is, but when you look at a two-dimensional uh, dental x-ray, a flat dental x-ray, it, everything is superimposed. So you have where my hand is, is cortical bone, And there's cortical bone over here. And where my head is, is where the hole is. So a lot of times when dentists look at x-rays, it's really very, very difficult, if not impossible, Mm -hmm. to see, oh, there's a hole in in the bone. And what revolutionized our ability to see these, and now this seems like it's uh, an epidemic out there of cavitations, they've been there. Uh, They just weren't being diagnosed. Mm. But with 3D technology, the the cone beam, I can, a patient can get a cone beam from up in Seattle and I can read it on a Zoom meeting like this and I can read that 3D scan and I can tell them immediately whether they have cavitations or not. So now 3D technology has made it capable to see these. However, 
The second part of this problem is not first, dentists couldn't see them. Now that they can see them, they're not really well-trained on reading 3D scans. Oral surgeons don't know what they are. We, As a matter of fact, there was a famous implantologist um, called Mesh who did a lot of work on implant development and sadly passed away recently. He came up with a terminology for the different types of bone when you put an implant in because dentists were putting implants into cavitations. In other words, the patient had a tooth pulled. They thought the bone healed and they'd stick a dental implant into this bone and it would be like just like there would be nothing there. It would be wispy because what happens is we know now is that when you remove a tooth, if you don't scrape away the periodontal ligaments around that socket, if you don't stimulate the residual bone to heal, if you don't provide a scaffold, which isn't called a bone graft, a scaffold for your body to make bone, you are not really, the bone heals a little bit. You get a little like eggshell, a bit eggshell, eggshell thickness of bone on the top and the gum tissue grows over. And then in the center of this thing is basically hollow. Mm. So it's like a, like a hollowed out egg. And sometimes you can actually see the outline of the roots of the tooth that was extracted. We call that ghosting on the, they call it ghosting on the x-ray. So a 3D scan is a great way to see these, but you have to know what you're looking for. So yes, you alluded to it. I, I have a real passion right now to in 2023, in the first quarter of 2023, to launch a program to teach dentists how to read this. But even better, it's like the universe is aligning things here. I happen to be on a flight back from Europe and uh, in the lounge before we boarded the plane was a young young man, very, very, very super bright. And he told me he was in the tech world and this and that. Turns out he has the largest, he's, a, he, he's from Spain, from Madrid, Spain. He has the largest AI company. Uh, it's like something like 200 AI programmers. They're already using his AI programs in the financial world, and they're about to do an IPO. But they're using AI and medical technology to guide physicians with surgical stents and things like that, uh, all directed by AI. And so this was two years ago when when this happened. Then I was like, we need to bring AI into dentistry because I need to teach dentists how to read 3D scans. And he goes, oh, bro, we could do that with AI. <laughs> I wow. like doing accents, by the way. Yeah, love it. Love this it. is bro. <laughs> yeah. So we can do that with AI, meaning if you can work with us, we will develop the program hmm. that will take a 3D scan and literally make it idiot-proof for dentists to be able to read it. I believe we will have that technology available by the end of next year. Oh, wow. Because that's how quickly these things are moving. So, yes, AI can be scary. Transhumanism is scary, but this yeah. technology can also be used for good. And yeah. some of the good is in assisting us on a diagnostic level yeah. for those that are not as experienced and those who are not as, um, I don't want to say skilled, <laughs> but yeah. not, not, a, not as skilled. Like, not everybody has the same. I'm, uh, let me be clear. Doing 
cavitation surgery is a highly invasive procedure. It should not just be done by a general dentist yep. who thinks it's just like uh, you know pulling a tooth. You have cavitations I've seen can be very aggressive and destructive. Um, some of them, uh, the ones we call NICO and ICO, that stands for neuralgia-induced cavitational osteonecrosis. That level of cavitational osteonecrosis actually starts to demyelinate the mandibular nerve. So it, it spreads. And that's when these people get start to get pain back. All of a sudden it's like, oh my God, I have pain. Or they have numbness and they can't feel their they can't feel their face. It's all because of this destruction where the cavitation reaches um, the, the nerve trunk. That should not be addressed. Um, you really need to be very careful. So I had been doing, I began doing dental surgery before I graduated with the Peace Corps. I actually extracted 973 teeth before my graduation from dental school in a six-month tour with the Peace Corps in the West Indies. Uh, I I did voluntary dentistry in the West Indies, and it gave me a tremendous amount of surgical experience. I continued that surgical experience into practice and yada, yada, yada. I want to be able to do hands-on programs and train dentists to do these cavities because I see people getting harmed. I see people getting hurt by dentists who say, oh, yeah, I do cavitations, and they don't really know what they're doing. And then the protocol prior to when I came on the scene with cavitation surgery about 12 years ago, it was basically cut open the gum, drill with a dental drill into the jawbone, into the hole, spray ozone, and close it up. 46% of those gruesome, very difficult post-operative recovery procedures, 46% of those came back. They never healed. Yeah. And again, it's because, and then now, you know, then other things were tried, but the introduction that I made in the world of cavitation surgery, that was the game changer, in my opinion, was the introduction of the erbium laser. So it's a laser light where we use the laser for all three important steps. The first step is to get into the defect without trauma. When you stick a dental drill on bone and friction, this heat, bone death, trauma, major trauma. Anytime any dentist who does dental dental surgery can tell you that you know uh, any kind of surgical drill that's used on bone is traumatic to the patient. What does the laser do? It's light. It basically opens it with light, literally vaporizing the tissue, very little, if any, trauma. So now we we gain access atraumatically. The second step is disinfecting and cleaning. The laser is great for that too. There's a laser um, uh, diamond tip that fits onto the laser and another setting which sprays that laser light everywhere to kill pathogens. And boy, are there a lot of pathogens. Um, so that laser light also uh, produces ozone, ozonated water. So we use the laser, which generates an ozone mist. But in addition to that, we use and inject ozone and also use flush out the, the cavitation with ozone. So we do a very thorough disinfection. I loved using Sanum Remedies um, because, and we can 
It's difficult to get them in the United States now. But Sanum, they're isopathic, as you know. So they get to specific pathogens, strep, even salmonella, staph, all of this. The types of pathogens that I see when we do our bioresonance sampling is lots of different parasites. Yeah. Candida, mold, Lyme spirochetes. Mm-hmm. You know, Dietrich uh, says you, you really can't. Dietrich Klinghardt says you can't heal from Lyme disease if you don't fix your cavitations. And I thought it was very smart. He's absolutely right. I've yeah. seen people hit the wall with their Lyme disease and they get their cavitations treated. The first thing they often comment about is how their neck doesn't feel stiff. Yeah. Because there's all of this, like, like you're, they have a, it's like a, a magnet for head and neck. So people with Lyme, you know, they get stiff neck, stiff back, TMJ, all this stuff. Heart, right? The heart. Heart, yeah. heart is a huge one. What's the heart meridian? Yeah. Third molars. Lyme, third molars. Mm-hmm. So um, we see a lot of Lyme on the mandibular cavity. On the upper cavitations, we a lot of mold, EBV, Epstein-Barr virus, tends to dig the upper cavitations more. But again, yeah. parasites everywhere, anaerobic bacteria, antibiotic-resistant bacteria, TB. Yeah. Yeah. People exposed to TB, I see a lot of it. Uh, it's weird. But, you know, they don't have TB. But they had TB bugs hanging out in these third molar uh, defects and where there's extracted extracted teeth. So it's it's really interesting. So the second setting actually does a great job of disinfection, disinfection, along with all the other adjunctive therapies. And then the third setting, which turned me on the most, is the setting where we can stimulate what's called mitotic division of the osteoblast which in English is getting those cells that make new bone to grow back and divide. So we stimulate the keyword regeneration. Yeah. So the laser was just such a wonderful introduction. So I was using that laser for people with perinatal disease that had vertical bone loss around their teeth and their teeth were loose and we were growing the bone back. And I was like, wow, we're growing the bone back there. Let's try to use it. And I brought in all the executives of one of the major laser companies. And I presented to him about what I was doing, how the results were remarkable. Really, the laser became an invaluable tool for the treatment. Erbium and erbium chromium lasers, because it's that erbium wavelength of light that does a lot of good. Hmm. So that was a good way to regenerate. And then, of course, the the other really terrific advance was with platelet platelet rich fibrin, PRF, you know, what we call the smart blood concentrates. I I started using and making a mix for a graph that that alone, by the way, the PRF alone will break down quicker than the bone can grow back. So we also use a bone mineral Mm. and there's a number of different choices, but most of it, the human bone is the best. And that's what we could get. We, you know, we get readily and, and, it what what everyone should know also is that it resorbs. So the platelet-rich fibrin and the mineral graft actually resorb. Mm. And when they resorb, they resorb as your body makes new bone. Wow. Wow. Jerry, I mean, I don't know if I, most 
biological dentists are using the laser, right? With their cavitation protocols. I mean, that's pretty unique to you and kind of your technique. Is that true? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Another reason why you're training, you know, the future dentists of, you know, America, right? Just share your wisdom and your knowledge of what you found. Um, Absolutely. Absolutely. So I I created this protocol. We're going to be doing programs in early 2023. And actually, I'm going to get those four guys that you know (laughs) in your your, your upper, you know, the guys that really know what's going on. Uh, We've got to get everybody to know what's going on. That's where my, my, my passion right now is in doing that. I mean, I, I love dentistry. I really do. I love what I do and I love doing it. And I love the relationships I have with patients. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a, it's a great connection, you know, because I really feel like I'm ministering to them, you know, but I also see that I, I need to minister to my colleagues and, yeah. and my friends and my, and my mentees, you know, what we call acolytes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Proteges, right? My proteges. <laughs> yeah, we need a team of them, right? I know. I um I know once you find a great biological dentist, it's just you don't wanna, you know, lose sight of them and then they get very booked up. And then there's like only, you know, we're asking our patients to travel who are already sick. And so we have a lot of work to do with training. So I I Yeah, well, we could do we could do some things together. Absolutely, I I love you know we're kindred spirits, Christine, and and I I really think you do so much good for so many people. And you know, you you mentioned the BRMI conference uh, in Arizona that we were at recently, and and when you're there and you see people so excited about what they're doing and the good work that they're doing in so many different ways, it really. you start to feel like you're related to each other, like a family. And it is yeah, a family. Totally. It's like a spirit family, you know? Yeah. yeah. So that's a great meeting. The other uh the other thing is is I want to try and build centers where yeah. um we can train in, in in different parts of the country and create a real network. Yeah. A network. Yeah. Um, that's yeah, what that's, yeah, I mean, so desperately needed for all of these, you know, um, you know, you have the dentistry piece and then, you know, it's this, you know, I think every chronically ill patient or patient with any really illness needs an amazing biological dentist and then a really amazing team with the, you know, functional or naturopathic or the osteopathic or, you know, whatever that team looks like. But it's like we all need to work together to really help the patients um, thrive and, you know, get the right treatment at the right time. So count me in. I'm, I'm really, um, yeah, well, we'll, we we were talking, I'm very excited about uh, the early part of this year when we open our new center. It came to me like in a dream, you know, I saw this uh, walking into this beautiful oval Mm. and I said, what's this oval? And the oval is the perfect place to bring people together. You know, it's a good place to uh, teach and we have a whole wall that's a monitor in there to be able to teach. But it's also a place to kind of join together, to meditate together, pray together, uh, you know, exchange together. It's uh, it's Aww. it's the kind of thing where we can do. And I have therapy rooms and things like that. And 
I'm very excited. It's taking a long time to get it done yes, <laughs> post COVID. I, I know, I know. Supply it's chain perfect. and all this stuff is like I mean, we had enough obstacles right already. So I but, had to clear my stinking thinking a few times. Yeah, well, no, I, I'm excited. I, I really am excited to uh, for all the great things that and and you said it yourself before we came on that people need us now more than ever. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm so grateful you're doing this. And, you know, before we wrap, I really want people to know about Revitin because this yeah. is something I'm getting to know more and more with my own um, health and then with my patients. And it's such a great, elegant solution with really working with the oral microbiome. And not a lot of toothpaste do this. I mean, it's funny. No. There's, you know, the remarkable thing is that there's no other toothpaste like it. And there is, there are some that are, there's a company out there, Risewell, is trying to sound like us. And all yeah. that xylitol in there and all this other stuff. Yeah. Not to really, I'm not trying to disparage anybody else, but the only, the only um, thing that I can say right now, you know, I, I have two passions, right? One is to change the way dentistry is practiced and put a biological helmet on it. My other passion is to change oral care because, you know, toothpaste was invented by soap makers a uh, hundred years ago. You know, uh, you have Colgate, Procter and Gamble, you know, Lever Brothers or Unilever now. And they were the, they were came up with a flavored detergent for your mouth. And in the 1970s, it was all about bug killer. Kill those bugs, not understanding. Oh, wait a minute. We, these bugs keep us alive. We may, we may be, and trying to kill them only gets them angry, which changes the way they behave. Right. And that was the big thing. First, we had the germ theory. All bugs are invaders. Kill them. That was like 1970s still. And then in the 80s and thanks to the um, yogurt companies, you know, we heard the word probiotic and the idea that bacteria could be good. And, and, And then there was this mistaken belief that, oh, there are good bacteria and bad bacteria. And I was out there when Human Microbiome Project changed that and said, wait a minute, wait a minute. Bacteria are kind of like people. They behave good when you treat them good. They behave bad when you treat them bad. So when they behave good, we call them probiotic. And when they, through a process of quorum sensing, they actually vote and they flip a pathogenic switch like that. And they go from good bugs to bad bugs, like Fusobacterium nucleatum. It's the most common bacteria in the mouth. Mm. Yeah. When you piss it off, pardon my French, you, it is badass and it is linked to five types of cancer. So number one bacterium found in colorectal tumors and it carries Porphyromonas gingivalis bacteria, which have been linked to gum disease only when they're also in this pleomorphic state of pathogenicity. You, you have a whole other behavior going on. And, and that was for me in my career. Uh, I I was a big aha moment. Oh, wait a minute. And probably the biggest one was these bacteria in the mouth, six to 10 billion of them. They're amazing. They not only aid in digestion and protect you from deadly viruses and bacteria in the environment around us, which is why it makes it very inhospitable for any foreign bacteria to set up shop, good or bad. So people always ask me, do probiotics work in the mouth? And I said, well, if probiotics worked in the mouth, so would conbiotics or pathogens like (laughs) salmonella and E. coli and everything else. So the mouth has a, as opposed to the gut, 
it has this defensive uh, capability. So nourishing a healthy microbiome, essential, essential for your ability to defend yourself for a competent immune system. And that was really, really evident through COVID that our oral microbiome, the health of our oral microbiome, it actually stratifies and helps to strengthen our innate immune system. Mm. So the oral microbiome protects us, but it also does amazing things inside the mouth. It Mm. takes ionic minerals from saliva to the surfaces of your teeth to remineralize. So yes, your oral microbiome helps your teeth heal. That was the exact opposite of what I was told in dental school. The second thing that the oral microbiome does is it also transports molecular oxygen to your gums for proper health of your gums, and it takes ionic oxygen, free radicals away. So there's this amazing metabolism, healthy metabolism that occurs when the microbiome is is healthy. Yet, what I've witnessed and, you know, what I just gave you came from over 20 years of research that I did. And that's why I named the clinical research wing at NYU was also from all the research that I did on these aha moments of understanding that we have to do, you know, I was on the Martha Stewart show years ago. And when I was doing this, I was in the middle of this research and I had just come out of the Harvard program and I was doing this research and, and Martha goes, well, Dr. Curatola, I know you're doing, um, uh, a lot of work on toothpaste. And I said, well, she goes, tell me about that. And I had to like, think of something. I said, you know, Martha, I said, you know, toothpaste was invented a hundred years ago. One of the uh, interesting things that, that I said on the show, is, I said, you know, Martha, you know, toothpaste was invented by soap makers. My mother said, if I said something bad, you know, she sticks soap in my mouth, but I was brushing with it. And I, and I said, so my, my mission is to, and I said, then we put bug killers in. In the 70s, you know, with chlorhexidine and triclosan, which was in Colgate total for 20 years. And and I said, you know, it's time for doctors to get out of the pesticide business. And what I'm promoting is organic gardening for the mouth. The interesting thing is when they put the poison warning on toothpaste and they said more than a pea-sized amount is swallowed, Uh called poison control right away. And and I was like, that's insane. That kids are sticking something because fluoride fatalities in children went up 280 percent in 1988 when they launched Crest Sparkle. It was fluorescent blue, bubblegum flavored, and it had sparkles in it. Kids were eating it. So I wanted a product that you can can eat. Yeah. What we have and what we've done. And the other thing, and I just wanted to say this, I know I'm going on a little bit and I have a something special that they just gave me here for your people. <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you, Jerry. Yeah. I'm glad, you know, we could talk about this because this is a passion of mine. And yeah. you we're saying, you know, it, I'm my, my hope and my prayer is that this will change everything. Yeah. It will change. It will make, it will force the majors to change their formulations because they're still on this bug killing mentality. Yeah. You yeah. know, what I said to Martha is I said, Martha, doctors get out of pest, the pesticide business and we have to start doing organic gardening in the mail in, in and on our bodies, not yeah. just in the environment around us. It's we need to do organic gardening and that's what we want. So what Revitin does 
And what our clinical research has shown is that we reduce inflammation very quickly. Mm. So we have right now a 50 patient double blind, randomized double blind clinical trial going on with five dental practices around the country. And what we're going to be doing is we're going to be taking samples of the microbiome and looking at the diversity from conventional toothpaste and even some natural toothpaste versus using a product that promotes diversity because diversity makes us more robust, makes us more resilient as human beings, right? And the naturopaths, of yeah. course, had it right all along. <laughs> naturopaths said, you know, it's all, it's all about the, you know, it's not about the seed. It's about the soil. It's about the terrain. You want this healthy, robust terrain. And when we start to lose that diversity and, and we have this, um, you know, monolithic type of uh, microbiome, it, we're sitting ducks. Yeah. So we need that. We need that diversity. So for your people, what I've been just been told. Oh, look at this. Big handwriting. Yeah, Doctor Shaw, 20% discount code. Hey, oh, what a that's so they sweet. Can, I really want to Biden.com dot com and they get twenty percent off by saying Doctor Schaffner. Let's spell your name right. Right, S C H A F F N E R twenty. Get twenty. <laughs> yeah, nice. Well, I really um, hope that we motivated a lot of people to try Verbiten and also just really feel inspired and just, you know, hopeful, right? So right. if everyone's listening out there, the results in their health that we all want for them, have they gone through the checklist that you've uh, provided of all the things we should be looking in the mouth? Have they um, been taking care of their garden, <laughs> you know, in yes. their mouth and you know, connecting with, um, you know, a dentist uh, like yourself, which we have to clone you, Jerry, which we're going to try to do. <laughs> oh, well, if people want to connect with you, how do they find you? Just how do they? Um, yeah, you? no, actually, they can go to Rejuve Dentist, uh, R-E-J-U-V-D-E-N-T-I-S-T dot com is our office website. They can get me at, at Dr. Jerry Curatella on Instagram. I try to give a lot of good information and continue to give good information. Dr. Jerry is Jerry with a G, G-E-R-Y-C-U-R-A-T-O-L-A, or at Revitin. Revitin is a great site. We always have good information there as well. And there's specials and there's all kinds of good stuff coming up on there. We have some appliances that I developed during the pandemic shutdown <laughs> so when I was bored I you know you take a guy like me and you shut him down I was cool for two weeks <laughs> but after that I was like I gotta do something <laughs> yeah. invented something yeah <laughs> right but it's just so great to be with you again oh, I uh, really enjoy time and it's the you know Friday and you know recording this but I know that you're gonna um, not only impact many lives as you continue to do this work, but I know um, that anyone who um, joined us today, um, you definitely sparked some curiosity and some, you know. Awesome. So thank awesome. you. Thank you. My pleasure. So, yeah. So Jerry, we'll have all your information in the show notes and I so appreciate uh, you being on the podcast. Thank you, Christine. Thank you so much. Let's do it together. <laughs> yeah, let's do it. Team effort. Those are the words that just came in my head. Yeah, team effort. Count me in. So thank you. My pleasure. Thank you all for listening to the Spectrum of Health podcast. I hope you enjoyed my conversation today with Dr. Jerry Curatola. Please check out his website and all the information about his wonderful practice. 
in the show notes. And please, if you want to try Revitin, he was so generous in giving our audience discount. So check out Dr. Schaffner 20 on the Revitin website, and you can take advantage of the savings. Have a beautiful day.